Revolution. I can't get no call to action, but I try and I try and I try and I try. Hello and welcome to Call to Action, the go-to podcast for anyone trying to make sense of the world of marketing, advertising and beyond. In an industry that is a minefield of utter bollocks, we aim to capture our heroes and allies from the front line to have a chinwag with. It's like Pokemon Go, with the single but vital exception that it's not a short-term bandwagon of shite. It's brought to you by Gasp and I'm Giles Edwards, co-founder and MD. Today I've caught Gemma Higgins, an exceptionally talented freelance writer and creative problem solver, Gem rules the Twitters with her unrivaled gift of creating the perfect gif for any moment. A proud sausage dog mum who has listened to more podcasts than you and I have had hot dinners, Gem is also a strong mental health advocate, and her sit-fucking-still donation to Isolated Talks, a fundraising campaign for the Samaritans, is neck and neck with Rory Sutherland, one of the most watched and captivating talks. Previous guest and mutual friend Ryan Woolman loved it so much he bestowed her with the industry prize that's now more relevant than a DNAD Writing for Advertising Award, a call to action episode dedication. Jem says, words have always been central to everything. It's my therapy. I used to write voraciously as a child and make up plays and stories and spend hours in my room on this old knackered typewriter handed down by my grandparents. Welcome to the show, Jem. Hey, that was uh, unexpectedly amazing. Thank you very much. And it's a good, <laughs> good job I got that accolade from Ryan because there's no way I'm winning any DNAD things anytime soon. <laughs> amazing. Uh, right, seven quick fire questions, Jem. Tea or coffee? Oh, coffee. Oh, but decaf. Decaf? Ugh. I know. Sorry, brown water. Listening or reading? Reading. Sausage dog or sausage roll? Sausage dog. Eat your greens or hot milk? Eat your greens. Oh, shit, no. Oh, oh, fuck. No, hot milk. Hot milk. I'm sorry, hot milk. Sorry, I I thought you meant the actual drink and then I was confused. Yeah, no, hot milk. It's fucking amazing. Fine art or fine wine? A specific type of wine, but it doesn't necessarily need to be fine, but I wine over art. Chris Evans or Jane Evans? Jane Evans. Easy. Right, favourite creek, last one. Shits Creek or Dawson's Creek? Shits. <laughs> we knew that one. Uh, so, so Jem, um, tell me how it all started. What was, what was your first job and, and how did it all start? Oh, my first job. Um, I was thinking about this the other day. I worked in a costume shop, like fancy dress costumes um like a you know hiring shop it was amazing because I used to I was obsessed with musical theatre that was always what I wanted to do I always wanted to do musical theatre I was a dancer I did all the plays all that sort of shit Uh, I did ballet from a really young age so that was always my thing so and I was doing art textiles at the same time so I'd always done both sides of that so I, I worked in this really old little musty shop full of incredible handmade stuff that had been handed down from years and years and years and when it was very quiet which tended to be a lot of days um we'd just go and 
try everything on and then somebody come into the shop and we'd have to serve them kind of dressed as Victorian wenches or something. <laughs> but it was great. I, I loved it. That was my first kind of first ever job. Um, and then when I came out of uni where I did fine art, it was kind of, I came out at the time where it was either be an artist and make no money at all. And that wasn't really an option or just get a, a job and where I kind of knew anything about was media so I ended up in media sales so my first job was selling advertising to the well on a on a farmer portfolio actually for Haymarket selling uh, display ads to the non-big core agency spend so like the non-Pfizer's of the world anybody who kind of pocketed in those little small ads that everyone was like oh my god who designed that um those really little ones so that was my first ever job yeah and then I moved through recruitment sales account management always in and around advertising and PR through to HR gosh all all with a, a long a large element of writing and all with a lot of communication and people stuff yeah um because the people that's always been my the thing that I did well ironically because I'm incredibly awkward with people but somehow I seem to make it work yeah and and you mentioned you did fine art there so at uni um you were at the uni of Sunderland yeah um I understand why why fine art and and then my second question on the fine art is I understand it was um you were specifically into paper cutting and words were always central to your work so is that where the love of words and writing started um no so my dad actually worked for a publisher so we were always around books but I didn't really read so much as a kid as listen to stuff for example we when we used to go on long car journeys my my mum was obsessed with Eddie Izzard so from like the age of about seven I could recite the whole of definite article and I still actually can um and my dad used to make up stories. So he's really creative. So we used to listen to stories and like make them up. And I had this typewriter that I was given. I used to bash out all this, you know, ridiculous wordy crap and write endless diaries and put on little plays with my friends and make my parents pay, you know, 50p to come and watch us do renditions of Starlight Express. And oh, just, I feel incredibly sorry for them still. So words were always important. We, it was just, it was also always something I would do. I would write. Um, it was kind of just part of me, but I'd always wanted to do musical theatre. That was, I had a place to go and study musical theatre with the intention of going and doing it as a career. And I got really ill and ended up in hospital and had to drop out of my college where I was doing art textiles or applied arts as they called it I think and I was from going from the machine I learned how to free stitch um, using a an old um, sewing machine so I used to write and create narrative on material on card using lots of different kind of mixed media so I used to be writing stuff with the sewing machine and that would form part of my work and I used to write things that I would then sew into my work or sew into outfits or garments or installations so I was already doing some element of it but it had always been the plan to go and do 
the the theatre and then as I said I got really ill and I was in hospital so I had to do a load of my exams in hospital and there were very limited resources to do art um you had to be watched uh for I wasn't allowed I wasn't really allowed anything sharp or anything toxic so when I was like yeah can I have a load of needles and um some paint and some scalpels please they were like uh, <laughs> no fucking way no. Yeah. um so I ended up doing making stuff out of like poster paint and um, paper mache it was really quite horrendous but while I was in hospital one of the the many things we had to do on a day-to-day basis was art therapy and it was once a week I think and once you've kind of been there a certain amount of time they'd let you go and do the kind of creative stuff as well as the awful one-to-one group horrendous stuff I actually really liked it and a lot of the people in there were like this is just a load of dog show and I was like you know what I really 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 like it and and still actually to I mean it was only again it was like poster paints and glue and you know little sticky feathers but for me it was just I found it really easy to express myself and I would always write every night so I wrote a diary and I wrote every single night for every night I was there and then I would take those words and take the way I was feeling and just put it into something. And still, actually, when my parents moved, my dad called me up and he was like, um, yeah, so I've got this, um, I'm going through your room and I've got this uh, a paper mache shit with Arby. He's <laughs> like, do you want it? I was like, that's a chrysalis. That's a butterfly coming out of a chrysalis. There's a lovely metaphor in that. And he's like, look, do you want the shit or not? <laughs> so Oh, that's wonderful. Um, but when I when I came out, I I was like, I, I can't do musical theatre now. I'm just not I'm not strong enough. The industry is too brutal. And I just I prefer to be putting my creativity in somewhere else. And I was just like, I love to write and I love to make stuff um so I then transferred and and went and did this um this arts degree and I started off at Hertfordshire for a year the course wasn't quite right I moved up north and found this amazing random fine art course that would just allow you to do whatever and by then I'd kind of got into working with different medias I'd done a lot with um paper and I'd realized that paper cutting was a really good way of kind of cutting the words into paper so I ended up creating these big installations that were all the things that I'd written and then I would cut them out and then I would project them onto walls and then cut out the shadows and so it was kind of really really iterative and then the juxtaposition of oh god I used to use the word juxtaposition so wanky um I was really into um, Yuyoi Kusama, I still am. And it's the idea of like proliferation and the same repetitive task over and over and over and again. And and I used to sit for hours and hours and hours cutting out. My final degree piece was like 400 paper feathers hung from the ceiling and these massive, massive cutouts. I think each of them had taken me like between 50 and 60 hours to do. Wow. It was, it was just, it was like a labor of love, but it was, it was proper obsessive, compulsive, healthy and not healthy in the same way, I would imagine. Yeah. So that's how I got into art and that's how I did my writing that way. 
so that's quite a journey then from typing on a knackered typewriter to that, as you say, um, quite obsessive paper cutting processes to freelance writing. Oh yeah, I mean there was a lot of there's a lot of gap in between. There's a lot of gap in between that. Um, I didn't even start. I was still working as an EA until um, I think about three years ago. Um, but all of my jobs have had a, a really strong element of writing in. So whether that's writing emails, whether writing briefs, whether it's writing job adverts, whether it's writing strategy for ads, whether it was just writing, agenda, you know, some agenda sum, summaries or whatever, whether it was writing that the ad copy itself when there were people not there or the design brief or whatever. Um, and then in my very last role, there was a huge amount of internal communication. So it was a lot of the really personal stuff. And I just love doing that. Then when I, I left that, I knew that I just wasn't, it wasn't right. And when I, and then I, I came to writing. So in, in, in short, I had one of my many, um, but probably one of the most significant to that date. I had a breakdown basically, and I had to leave my job because I just could not cope. And it was, it was literally starting again because I, I left with nothing and I just had to take time out just to learn how to be able to leave the house again and learn how to kind of start to function and use my brain. I'd lost the ability to read. I was writing, but I was in a really difficult place and just writing at the time it was poetry actually. Um, and starting to get myself back because I couldn't read I was I was listening to podcasts so I was listening to stories I was hearing stories I felt like I was around people and that was when I kind of came out of that and and, and realized that you know writing was the thing I really wanted to do and the way that I put that forward and it didn't necessarily mean copywriting it just meant how can I use the words that I have to help like whether it's creative admin or, or whatever, but that's how I then fell into, I suppose, essentially being very, very loosely termed a writer. And then was it at this stage or, or later on that you took on the role you, you, you define as being an industry cheerleader and, and using, using Twitter as a voice? It was, you know, I'd been, I'd been listening to the podcast for a long time and I'd had a Twitter account, um, but I was incredibly lonely. There was just no one. And I, I live on my own and I was just, I felt so, and this is a thing throughout all of my life, everywhere I've been, I've always felt just that I don't fit in and that there's something about me that makes me stand out and not in a good way. And that just by being in a room, I'm kind of, there's a problem and I'm the problem. And I've never been able to shake that off. And it's always made me very want to conform. But at the same time, as soon as I try, I kind of almost make myself more obvious. And I found it really, really difficult to navigate the world. And one of the things that I've, I find really difficult is, you know, knowing the right thing to say. And especially when you have been in and around an industry and following people who you really admire for a long time, but don't feel that you have anything valid to contribute to the conversation. But you also know what it's like to have somebody say something nice um, because yeah. it really, really means something. And when I, I kind of was sitting 
on my own at Twitter, you know, and I just looked at Twitter because I was just, I was in a really, really dark place and I just was so lonely. I was just, there's no one. And it sounds really, really vacuous, but just a couple of people, you know, liking a tweet. And I just thought, you know, I'm not saying anything interesting, but all these people are fascinating and I think they're doing incredible stuff. So what's the, what's the one thing, what can I do? I felt hugely worthless. I battled with that a lot, not feeling like I contribute anything to the world, not feeling I've got value. I thought, what can I do? Like the one thing I can do right now, I can't go and support people because I can't leave the house. I can't go and make, you know, I can't, I can't, write anything because I can't compose a sentence but what can I do what I can do is just say you know you're doing a fucking awesome job keep going because anybody and as as big or you know everybody has imposter syndrome everybody needs to be told you know what you're doing a good good fucking job um sometimes and that was just the thing that I thought you know what I can do is I can I can be in the wings again you know I can't I can't I'm not born for the stage I'm not one of these people who are going to be out there um, doing what they're doing and I'm not going to be able to write amazing stuff like this but what I am doing is experiencing and I'm just hearing those stories and reading what they're saying re- reading what they're writing and listening to what they're saying and, and thinking you know you're doing something really awesome and what you're doing is ma- is making a difference to me and it's making me feel less lonely and I know it'll be making other people feel less lonely or for feel inspired or feel empowered or feel whatever or just love or whatever just it that was that was the thing for me and and I kind of just at the beginning I just started you know retweeting a couple of things and following a few people and then people started kind of saying thank you that's great and I was just like well don't don't thank me you're doing a fucking amazing job don't you know I'm doing nothing but always helps to have cheerleader in the wings certainly in my experience people who feel imposter syndrome I find it tends to be it tends to correlate perfectly with so many qualities I I find myself thinking that the people who should have imposter syndrome don't there's that kind of Dunning-Kruger effect isn't there and and everyone on some scale has moments where they feel worthless and and you're absolutely right everyone needs a everyone needs support everyone needs each other and it's it's great that I've heard you say you always felt like a like a bit of a misfit and Twitter made you feel welcome and helps you find your tribe and that's that's a a wonderful wonderful thing yeah I think there's that that element of you even if I was allowed in the room nobody really wanted me there I felt like I just didn't belong there when I was a really little kid I had these friends um I used to thought twins actually so I was kind of almost the triplet in their group but I looked very different to them so that was kind of I was growing up with somebody and I was just very very different you know very different looking but also they were kind of identical twins and there was just this weird I know that sounds strange but it it started from a really really young age of me being kind of the the third wheel and they had these um tea towels and um aprons and they had all these green frogs on them and then one of the frogs was pink and that has just stuck with me forever I've always felt like the pink frog and the problem is I've always been in the room with a load of people who either are green frogs or are pretending to be. And I just have, it's impossible for me to, to be that. And I, I found it very difficult to know what to say that 
wouldn't be the wrong thing. I've got no filter. I also find it really, really difficult to relate to a lot of people because of the way that my brain works. I've got, I don't know if you want to cut this out or not. I've got um, borderline personality disorder. Not embarrassed to say anything about it. And it it, no, it manifests in a lot of, it. it means that the way that I perceive things in the world and the way that I understand what other people are saying and doing is slightly different and it also means I have a very black and white thinking somebody once described it the best way that somebody ever described it was you have a, a loop on your head of like a film of all the awful things that you think about your life all the things that you feel you've done wrong or that you, you feel nobody wants you know all your worst qualities playing in a kind of a loop and the director hates everything about it and he's just giving you this running commentary and narrative about how awful you are and as soon as you try and counteract that with well actually maybe what about you know the time that this good thing happened or what a time what about a time when you know I know you think that about yourself but give me some examples and then your bright your director goes okay well I'm just going to drop in a wheel of 20 different examples that we can give you as proof points um but so I found it very difficult to to know where where I fitted in and um Twitter was the first place where I felt like anybody gave a shit that I was there or even noticed and it was kind of safe because I I wasn't trying to be anything I was just there to you know give people a pat on the back and just say you know what you're doing a fucking amazing job because that's what's been part of I suppose everything I've always done there has always been that human element of I'm here to be a support I'm here because I believe in you and genuinely you know all the people that I've worked with that I've had to support I've genuinely cared so much about making sure that they know that they are valued because I think I've not felt it and that's a large part because I have not valued myself and I think that's you know when you don't have that to boost you it's very very difficult to find it in different circumstances so that was kind of where Twitter Twitter came and I then met loads of random connections through there um, and it was it's all a little bit of of serendipity really the way that connections have and I met people who had the same sort of values and liked the same sort of things um, and it was good because I you know I, I didn't need to go and see them I didn't need to go and be in a busy bar I didn't know, need to go and do something socially anxious you know so I didn't yeah. need to do anything I just needed to occasionally you know give a kind of awkward wave and for a, for an introvert who really struggles to know what to say and whether they're going to say the right thing or not. The GIF is just, oh, fucking hell, it's the GIF that keeps on giving. <laughs> Absolutely. It's sad to, to, hear, to hear how kind of exhausting I think it must be. Certainly that metaphor you used of a director replaying all of those bad kind of opinions you might hold on yourself. And I, and I know and, and, and equally hope that, and I'm under no illusion, there'll be, there'll be dozens if not hundreds of fans of yours listening to this episode and in fact not not solely via twitter but even if i just think of previous call to action podcasts such as amy Keane, vicky ross jane evans ryan woman i mean they're all really important people who in in your world and in my world and in our kind of shared world 
and they're all friends. Like it's amazing the community that exists, albeit it may have started via Twitter, it may have started in real life at a Copywriters Unite. I know you've been to one of the um, events that Vicky runs. It's it's a wonderful thing, and I and I only hope that that gives you power in some way. Yeah, I mean, I think finding community. I think a lot of that is is um, I, I kind of feel sometimes you know you feel like you're wrong, but it's not you. Yeah. That it's wrong. It's, you're just in the wrong room. And I think it's just take it often it takes you a long, long time to find the right room. And um, also, it's not my metaphor. I can't take any credit for that. Um, but it's um, it, it it just makes a lot of sense. And and Twitter has been incredible. And the people I've met through there. And I mean, Ryan, I met. I was sitting in listening to him record a podcast just randomly the day after he'd had drinks with. Drayton Bird and the two days after he'd had the Copywriters Unite or something like that I mean it was like a two day and then he was drinking champagne on this um it was on um uh TFR yeah that's right so uh that was the first I I met of him and he was just absolutely and we've just been friends ever since and Jane I met on Twitter we I, I'd suggested a road trip to the Copywriters Unite in Brighton because copywriters unite was the first like the first social ish thing i'd i'd done in you know about eight months and vicky'd been so wonderful and emily has always been awesome on on twitter anyway and just they kind of gave me the confidence to just go along and see and you know if i couldn't do it then i couldn't do it and and it was awesome and my dad comes with me now as my date and I, I just love it and I know people who I've worked with since who I've met there Jane said, said she'd come to the Brighton um, road trip and I said okay well I'm gonna get I'm gonna get this train she said no I'm gonna drive I said fine so we ended up in this in a car and a massive drive down to Brighton and the rest is history we just clicked and she's amazing and I've been working with her now since you know for about over a, over a year she's fucking phenomenal she's kind of my spirit mother and and friend and you know just an amazing she mentor she's just an amazing person to work with and she's awesome yeah yeah and she's been you know she's been really helpful to my writing and vicky's been fabulous everybody's just been great have you got any dirt on ryan any dirt oh god yeah i think any dirt he's he's got he's he's aired already i don't <laughs> i don't think there's much that he um i don't i don't think there's anything that i can i can tell you that he he hasn't gone into already, I'm afraid. Yeah. Sorry. I'll keep looking. Yeah. That's all right. Well, you're, you're, um, you're our second dedicated person guest after Murray Calder, who was, um, oh, who was not, the oh, episode. he's just such a legend. Oh, yeah. You know, he's, um, he's a great man. He's a great man. Can we talk about sit fucking still? So I mentioned it on the intro, your isolated talk, and it got quite rightly an incredible response. And it still sends shivers down my spine when I, when I hear it. So, so tell me about that. What inspired your, your talk? You know, I'm still really amazed because I didn't even think, I didn't even think you're going to put it up. I, when I heard about what you were doing, I thought it was amazing. And I'd started to write a little bit and I, through lockdown, I must say, I don't know how everybody else has found it, but I, I find writing a really emotional process and it's, I, 
I kind of give everything and with lockdown and a load of other stuff that was going on in my life I was finding it impossible to write I found it really really hard it just stripped everything of me but I was reading for like um, like I've read so much I tell you I've had more baths and read more books in lockdown <laughs> than I have in my whole life put together um, Amazing. but I, I read about it and I, I watched a couple of the talks and I just thought oh that's just so that's such a and I thought what would what would I write about and I, when I write something I tend to either get an idea from a book or a quote or something and I'd already written a piece a while ago that had really stuck with me because Claire Barry once told me you just need to you need to because I, I told her you know I just get writer's block all the time I never know what to say and she just said you know what you just gotta sit you gotta fucking sit with it and she was like just go to a cafe just sit just don't think you're going to write or whatever and you know it, it didn't I didn't end up you know writing amazing stuff but just the idea of sitting with it and I don't mean like sitting down necessarily and watching the world go by or whatever I just mean almost being aware of the emotion that you're in and just acknowledging it and in in any in any particular way you know what is it to just take stock of where you are and say you know that's okay it's it's okay I'm feeling like this or I'm not feeling like this or I'm anxious or I'm this just holding it and then trying to let it go but just acknowledging it and and just letting it sit with you for a bit and that was something that I'd really got to through lockdown and I'm not saying it's related to lockdown but through the this I was in a pretty shitty state before lockdown and then lockdown happened and it just knocked me completely sideways and one of the things in getting back up again was about just having to literally be with just me and just my brain and just my emotions and nothing else to distract from it nothing you know kind of no real coping mechanisms and I think what I wanted to say was just to everyone you know if I think we get bombarded with so much stuff you know you should be productive you've got more hours in the day you you've got all this time now what are you going to do with it and I think my for me I was just like well my brain just went well we're going to shut down now yeah there's absolutely no way you get anything creative out of me I you know I started a million things and I just couldn't finish it. I was like, oh maybe I'll do this maybe I'll do that nope I'll try and cut I'll do some paper cutting nope that didn't happen and I just thought it'd be not really it would be so nice for someone to just say, you know, just, it's all right. Just, just fucking stop for a bit. Um, that was what I needed to hear. I think that's the thing. One of the first pieces I wrote um, when I started to blog again was about how we hear a load of kind of stories about people who've fallen, uh, who've broken in some way or fallen apart or failed. But we, very rarely hear about the rebuild or we we very rarely hear from them in the rebuild we always hear once they come out of the other side and normally they've got an amazing business or they've really completely restarted their life which is incredible but I think sometimes it's okay it, it would be nice to hear from the people who still some days they just can't get up and some days they can't write their own name and some days forget to wear pants 
like just because their brains are so it is and and with lockdown what that did was it knocked everyone into a space where that could suddenly be very possible um and for for a lot of people that was the norm and they were managing that anyway and for other people it was just like this isn't everything has been taken away so I think I just that was what I wanted to say and so I just sat down and wrote it never had any intention of turning it into a video and I remember just saying I remember sending you a message saying like I've just written something and I haven't written in in weeks I have no you know I know I'm not going to submit it I know you've not asked me to do a video or anything but thank you for giving me something because I've now written something and it it means something to me and it stuck so thanks and I knew there was a video that you needed to do. I thought, well, maybe I can do a video. I thought, well, I'm not going to be on video. Absolutely no way. And I can't do a video. What? I'm, there's no, you know, I can't just blank, blank a room. I just thought, I don't know. And then as is, I think, common with a lot of people, I woke up at 3 a.m. in the morning and just went, oh, I know. I know. There's a GIF in this. There's a lot of GIFs <laughs> in this. Um, yeah. And... And you, you unloaded your whole arsenal of Shit's Creek. Oh God, there's just too many. There are <laughs> too many. Oh, but it was so, it's so good. And for someone who for someone who 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 clearly has a lot of self doubt and and questions the questions your ability in in so many ways, completely unfairly. What did what did you feel about the the response? I don't mean that to sound like oh, were you overwhelmed? All I mean is, does that did the response help you appreciate? the the talent and 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 what a great talk it was i think what it did was it it was it's always lovely to hear i think all i do so i when i write i write the processes for me because it it takes everything out of me but as soon as it's on the page for me it's the shittest thing i've i've ever read and i can't understand when it, like it's the process is the bit that i need and I enjoy and that breaks me in and puts me back together again um but once it's on the page I I I really think I'm reading a piece of shit so it it's once it's on the page it's kind of almost I can't connect to it but I write stuff that I I just want people to feel and people to relate to it I just want it to be human and I don't the process is for me, the outcome is not for me at all. The outcome is for whoever reads it and needs to read it. So when people listened to the isolated talk and said, I needed to hear that, or I relate to that, or that really did me, that was good for me for five minutes today, that 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 meant everything. That's all I that's all I did it for. I did it because it was what I thought. I would have need I need to hear and what other people might need to hear too and it turned out it was so I mean just I mean I was, I'm still amazed at how many people have watched it I mean having said that it is like the shortest one on there so I mean it's an easy go in right and there are so many people who've said to me you know I started watching that Shit's Creek it's actually really good and I was like well thank you even my parents have started oh no it's it's, it's divisive in this household really I'm I'm a fan but no Sophie's just not not into it at all but um so so not long after I mean I, I must say firstly we'll link to your your brilliant isolated talk in this episode listing and I encourage everyone listening to watch it even if you've already watched it and then not long after I heard you narrate beautifully again at Amy Keane's awesome 
House of Weeds book launch. And what was so brilliant about that launch, not only was it remote because it was during lockdown, but there were so many people narrating Amy's brilliant poetry to a really high standard. And I'll never forget, there was a guy, a guy called Rishi, I think his name was, and he and he was absolutely sensational. And I remember thinking, oh my God, who can follow that? <laughs> and, then, and then up stepped Jem. And you absolutely smashed it out of the park. It was like an 80s movie. I was I was on mute whooping from here because it was so good. I was for so Amy basically got in touch because I've known her on the Twitters, but never really had a conversation with her like a full one and she was just like I'm doing this book launch I've never heard your voice before like would you read I was like uh yeah okay yeah what like yeah and she's so talented I love her writing but obviously I'd never read her poetry and I was like absolutely she's like I've got the poem in mind she sent it to me I was like that's just gorgeous I love the story behind it it's brilliant and she said we're going to do it so I didn't know who else was reading and thank god I didn't know like who I had to follow or that I had to go last after all of that because it was as you say everybody just had such everybody's poem was so perfect the way their voice worked um but but mainly as you know I was just glad that I didn't say dog whore that's one of (laughs) You messaged me just before your turn, I think, and said exactly that. Oh, it's, oh, it's wonderful. I had all my tabs open, and then to prepare for, for doing this, I closed them all down and had some images on my desktop, and I saved one of them called Doghor, or in all caps, left, um, in all caps. I just thought, oh, no, I'm just going to say Doghor. So basically through everybody else's um, poem, I was just like, just don't say dog whore, don't say dog whore, don't say dog whore. And I just thought, I'm going to say fucking dog hill. And then after it finished, I didn't know how it had gone. I didn't know how I'd read it, but I was just so relieved I hadn't said dog whore. I... Sorry, if my parents listen to this, I've just said dog whore like <laughs> 20 times over and over. Sorry about that. Jem, I've got some listener questions I would like to put to you. Right? I'm, am- I'm amazed. <laughs> asking the general public for their opinion be it on brexit or boat names is notoriously fraught with danger but we have two to put to you so chris says i see from your website that you are a hoarder of random facts what's your favorite random fact you've come across lately oh um one of my favorite classics is that um uh when a an alpaca gives birth it's called an unpacking (laughs) that's one of my that is one of my favorite facts of all time Oh my uh, word! And how true is that? It's it's hundred it's hundred percent true. Oh it's, my it's, word! It's true. It's absolutely wonderful. The, there's another one that's really good, which is that the you know the piracy that used to be um, piracy is a crime when you go to the cinema. Um, and we when you used to go to cinema years ago, and they used to have that thing saying the copyright. Like there was a little film that said, "Oh, you know, you you can't film this. It's copyright. You know, don't accept it." Do you know? Do you know the the advert I'm talking about? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, that advert like showed in cinemas, and then the guy who wrote the music was like, "Hang on a second, you didn't ask me to believe that." So they were actually breaching copyright by no. pinching music for that. Oh, that's beautiful. That's, that's another really, really nice one. I mean, there's so many good ones, but I think the alpaca one really that that is is right up there. Yeah, I've just written that down because I don't ever want to forget it. Oh no, it's 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 a, it's a it's a it's a great one. 
Um, question two. So Anna must know you are know you are the gift queen. She she asks, what makes for a good gift? Oh, the context. It just you need to get, but it's also the search. So it's the context of how how you want to say it. For me, often I feel like the gifts basically respond in the way that my body does because I I'm not I'm I can't do um, poker face at all. And if something happens, I will my whole face or my whole body will react in that way so often like I think if you're responding you've got to, the the perfect gift is a response in the way that your you would respond or whoever you're gifting as would respond but what allows you to find that is it's all about search when somebody uses a, a brilliant gift it's just it's it's proper mic drop moment I feel yeah so, Jem, the final part of uh, the interview is our four pertinent poses, which you would have heard before. Uh, starting with, what advice would you give to your younger self? Probably same advice I give to myself now. Um, I I do think that whole it's not you that's wrong. You're you're just in the wrong room. I think your difference is your superpower. I think we need people who see feel sense experience well in different ways um and if all the voices aren't out there then we're not hearing the real story we're not hearing every part of it also something that i i do remind myself a lot and my my daffy always says this he um it's not weird it's 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 wonderfully odd and i think that's really really nice i think you if you feel you're weird you're not everyone um I love everyone who fascinates me everyone who's ever moved me is is wonderfully different in their own way and if you can find a way to connect with people when you find it impossible to connect you know when you've been told you can't or you shouldn't or you don't deserve to I think knowing that the fact that you're different is is your strength and you just need to learn how to harness it and find the people who want to see it, who want you in the room. On on that first point, James Victoria um, often makes a similar point about weirdness. He says it's your source. It's a it's a superpower. Never let anyone shame it out of you. He's brilliant. His um, uh, Fekper function is 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 brilliant. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I adore that man. He's fantastic. Um, number two, if you could banish one thing from the industry, what would it be and why? There's all the standard that I don't really need to give you a list of all the many, many, many things that I would ban. But actually, I, I, I'm going to go with a personal pet peeve in this, and it would it would relate to any industry. Um, but it's slack. <laughs> uh, somebody once described it as the place the place where meetings go to die, and I just think it's just a way of keeping everyone connected but really just working 24 hours a day with more notifications than they would get emails oh i'm just so distracted it's it's absolute i think it's horrendous i just i can't bear it yeah i think there's a few of us who would agree with you a hundred percent there although at the same time there's a lot of people i admire who who do lean on it as a critical part of their their process but yeah i've never managed to get it to work no, no. Number three, are there any books that you can recommend to our listeners? 
I was thinking about this and I read so many books. Um, like, you know, I read a whole book. I read a whole book in the bath. Wow. And I just did that yesterday um, and the day before, actually. <laughs> I thought what I'd do, I wanted, to, I wanted to think of one that I don't think has been mentioned before. And I wanted to do one on writing because I, I recently read, it's just come out um, and it's called Consider This by uh, Chuck Palahniuk, who wrote, um, oh, Neuk. Sorry, Palinik, who wrote um, Fight Club, which is a brilliant book. And he, he's a fiction writer, and I'm not a fiction writer, and I'm not a fiction reader either. I read memoirs, and I love, um, I suppose, essay collections and documentary stuff and journalistic stuff. But the way that he explained his processes and kind of gave you anecdotes from people in the industry, was the best book I've read on um, writing that for me in a long, long time, I would massively recommend that to anyone cool. who's, who's struggling with that. And on a creative side, I know you have got some swag today, but the power of purity is fantastic for like ideas. Yeah. It's just really good to just pick up and it's, and it's so fucking beautiful as well. It's yeah, that so Denton chap's talented. Oh, so gorgeous. And it's just a really nice way to kind of think in it get yourself to think in a different way so those sorts of books but then apart from that I have read so many amazing memoirs recently there's a page on my because I'm completely anal about these things every single book I've read for the last what I think we're coming up to two years now I have photographed and put a link to where they you can buy it on my um website so you can see exactly what i'm reading at any one time or what the last book i read was i've read some incredible stuff recently by some amazing people so hot milk was one that i read about three weeks ago and i read um the cost of living um which is deborah levy's memoir because amy Keane says have you read that because it's fucking amazing and it was um the lonely city by olivia lang i read um jason green's um book about his son who died um on his daughter sorry and that was just beautiful um oh god I've just read so many Alice Levine Rootbound if you like memoirs and you like essay collections and oh um Coming Undone which is what I read in the bath yesterday which is Terry White who's um of um Empire Magazine who just writes incredibly there's loads and loads of stuff on there so you could put a link if you want if people want to read yeah yeah definitely fantastic okay well we'll link to all of those books um and more if you if you can share that share that link finally we always dedicate every episode to someone so it's it's your turn to do so oh i found this really hard because like i could dedicate it to the whole of the twitters or the whole of the copyrighters unite guys or everybody who does bright 52 or just there's so many people but i wanted to choose somebody who doesn't get hasn't been mentioned hasn't been on podcasts doesn't get uh um you know isn't somebody that people might have already heard somebody dedicate something to or heard them speak um and then actually there was a I had two people, so it's two two people who are very important to me in my life. And one of them is my Daffy, who is just awesome. He's um, He just doesn't give up on me. He's had this unwavering belief that I'm not going to 
that I'm, something good is going to come out of it. And even though I fuck up over and over again, he's just, um, he's a legend. And the other one is a guy called Matt Sibley, who is a copywriter. And he's very talented. And he is an awesome, awesome mate, awesome friend. Um, I met him through the Twitters. And he he's just finished his his level four copywriting, I think I if I've got that wrong, I'm I'm really sorry, Matt. But he's um he's going to be looking for jobs soon, and somebody's going to snap him up because he's brilliant. He's building his portfolio now. He's an awesome guy. He's on the Twitters. He's supporting other people. He's collaborating with people. He's doing as much as he possibly can to really make his way. And I just think he deserves a shout out because he doesn't get. He's not somebody already being championed and he really deserves to be. He doesn't have enough confidence in his ability and I, I really think he should. Well said, because and I'll second that as well, because I don't know Matt as well as you, but I do know Matt and he's a, he's a lovely, talented chap. So, uh, so as our final call to action, we will list on this episode all of the books you've mentioned. So that's Consider This, Power of Purility, The Cost of Living, The Lonely City, We'll include all the links to your website to, I meant to talk about it earlier, but I think we've run out of time. Your um, lovely habit of putting your googly eyes on things, we'll link to those too. But how else can people get more Gem Higgins? Well, I've written a, a few a few things I haven't written for a while because I just, I, I can't at the moment. I'm still sitting still and, and reading. Um, but um, I'll, my medium is where I put all, my writing um and then yeah my my website i'm on the twitters i'm on linkedin because everyone has to be don't they um i'm on instagram um my instagram is basically just books and my dog yeah if you like sausage dogs then you know come to instagram because uh um she's uh she yeah she's quite photogenic she's an absolute cunt but she's she's (laughs) oh i got i got so close i got so close didn't i we nearly finished. Finish line is in the site, and then you have to call your dog a cunt. Oh, I'm so <laughs> sorry, but she's so cute. So, um, yeah, uh, yeah, inst- Instagram, Twitter's um, my medium, and I guess my isolated talk and LinkedIn. But yeah, yeah, I'm always, I'm always there. Amazing, Jim. It's been a glorious hour, and I've loved it. So thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I I really hope I haven't put every every single one of your general listeners off. Oh no, it's an absolute pleasure. It's not. It's not as if you called your dog a cunt or something. No, I know. I would never do that. Right? <laughs> Promise you, I wouldn't say it. Uh, finally, thank you to everybody listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do share it and review the pod. Um, we really value your support. Please keep questions and guest requests coming in. To get in touch, it's easy to find Gasp online. You can check out CTA Pod on Instagram or just email hello at calltoaction.co. Try and I try and I try.